when our protests are not peaceful. Welcome back. This is Ready to Resist, and I'm your host, Cliff White. We've all heard the same regarding living at a pivotal point in history and being asked, what would you have done? And whatever you're doing now would be your response to the injustices of the past. There are so many social issues to be addressed and voices to be heard regarding climate change, voter suppression, police reform, immigration, homelessness, Black Lives Matter, gun control, fascism, and just the function of our government at the local level. This is our time to be active in grassroots efforts that start out small, but end with a big impact. It's the culmination of our efforts that end with boots on the ground, if need be, for the world to see our determination for positive change. We're living at a very volatile time where our actions and inactions will be noted in the history books. Yet I believe some among our ranks have nefarious motives and are to be watched. Not all of the vandalism can be attributed to any one group, as the media might have you believe. What's the real cause of some of these protests? And is the message we're trying to convey getting across or lost in the noise of destruction? Groups of outside agitators are infiltrating and exploiting peaceful protests to pursue their own separate extremist agendas. I had so many thoughts about protesting. When Trump was first elected, I knew that I wanted to do more and get involved in politics and protest. Early on, I knew I wanted to be a part of the resistance. Twitter would be my sounding board and I would use datacoast.com to amplify the voices of other resistors. Each one of us can call and write our elected officials and demand town hall meetings and join progressive groups that share our values. Why now you ask? Because it's our rights that are under attack, especially our voting rights. This is not the time to close our eyes or just be silent and believing things would just work out or to leave the work to others is not an option. But our once peaceful protests are being hijacked by those with arterial motives. There are many reasons why things are not as they first appear. I want to take a deeper look at protesting and the aftermath. Who are all involved and why things sometimes turn violent or destructive? And get the answer to the question, who are the real vandals of these peaceful protests? And what are splinter groups? One might ask, what is a peaceful protest? Here, let's take a look at how protesting is a given right and how it has helped change lives for the better. The First Amendment, freedom of religion, press, expression. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. 
or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievance. I thought it important to take a look at some peaceful protests of the past and their outcome. Reflecting back on moments like these can act as a guide to actions to gain equality for all in society. Here are a few examples of peaceful protests which led to positive social and political change. The Montgomery Bus Boycott. Rosa Parks refused to give her her seat to a white passenger on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. Rosa Parks' Defiant Act helped spread the message that all people deserve equal seats. The Supreme Court ruled a year later in 1956 that segregation on public buses was unconstitutional. Quote, People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that isn't true. I was not tired physically, or no more tired than I usually was at the end of the working day. I was not old, although some people have an image of me as being old then. I was 42. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. End quote. The Delano Great Boycott. Cesar Chavez advocated for peaceful boycotts, protests, and a non-violent 25-day hunger strike, which led to new laws being enacted to end the abuse of farm workers in the late 1960s. Cesar Chavez led a five-year strike in Delano, California, bringing together over 2,000 farmers to demand minimum wage, primarily for underpaid overworked farm workers. His actions caused more than 17 million Americans to boycott California grapes, which helped secure unions and better wages for farm workers. My Starbucks boycott. I'm a big fan of Starbucks, and at one point would visit daily. I purchased my own Starbucks coffee, beans so that I can have fresh ground Starbucks coffee in the mornings at home. But all that came to an abrupt end as I started my own Starbucks boycott. What I remember from the news a few years ago was that two black men were waiting for a white business associate who had been running a little late for a meeting. Without making an order, one of the black men asked to use the restroom. To make a short story shorter, the manager called the police, who arrived just as the friend got there and arrested the pair, who were held for over eight hours. Who's to say whether the pair might have been waiting for the friend before ordering? Starbuck apologized how the situation was handled, and sensitivity training was given to all employees. The company lost revenue because of store closures around the country for training. For many months, I didn't visit any Starbucks. And once again, a frequent visitor to Starbucks, partly because I believe the company does and continue to do their best to provide good customer service. I knew when I first heard the slogan, Make America Great Again, 
we will be returning to a time of people in the streets and protests. I remember how large the protests were in the beginning. Later wondering, where was the outcry and large protests for family separation? I've been a part of so many rallies and protests, too many to count. I remember my first was prior to Trump taking office and was called our first stand, a rally in San Francisco on January 15, 2017. It was a rally in protection of the Affordable Care Act. Of course, the largest American protest, the Women's March, soon followed Trump's inauguration on January 21, 2017. But one of my proudest moments was being part of the R in Resist, spelled out on Ocean Beach in San Francisco, February 11, 2017. I don't remember the total number of people involved, but believe it was over 5,000. I took off work that day because I thought it was that important. Then there was the tax march, April 15, 2017. The impeachment march, July 2, 2017 and We the People March, September 21, 2019. There were many other marches and rallies, town hall meetings, and protest groups that I was a part of. The one resounding point for all was the resistance to Trump's policies and fascist agenda. It was always my intention to leave any protest that started out peaceful, but later turned ugly. So with that said, I have no personal experience with a violent protest. I didn't feel the need to protest until Trump came along. Social injustice is nothing new, as was stated earlier. And the reforms that are being asked for today are long overdue. But it wasn't until Trump that I feel personally under attack. I wanted to take a closer look at where we are as a country and people. The majority of Black Lives Matter protests have been peaceful, according to published reports. Still, many people believe that Black Lives Matter protests are violent. A big reason for this is right-wing media broadcasts and Republicans. The GOP has been busy and has introduced over 80 bills in 34 states to criminalize peaceful protests. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, for one, has enacted many laws to restrict protests. Anyone filming with their cell phone or shouting at police officers during an arrest could be charged with felonies. Yes, Republicans have been busy writing new legislation to quiet our voices in the streets and restrict our access to the ballot box. But one thing they haven't done is introduce any bills to stop trigger-happy police and the use of their firearms. One of the main reasons for the protest. Nor has the GOP acted on the fight for gun safety laws or background checks. In fact, they have enacted zero bills in zero states to prevent gun deaths. The ACLU has fought against state legislators, and many bills die. I'm sure more court challenges are to come, because these 
are our freedoms and constitution and democracy we're talking about. We have to do more than just sit back. One of the early characteristics of growing fascism is to have a scapegoat. And in this case, it's black people. Here, I want to change the focus from what we want in nonviolent protests to why our protests sometimes turn violent and ugly. I have no taste for vandalism of any kind, but in some small way, I do understand the looting, the fire, spraying of graffiti, or even blocking of traffic. I'm reminded how I was one of thousands in the middle of the streets in San Francisco, blocking traffic. I'm not here to say it was the right thing to do, but at the time, I had strong feelings about what Trump's administration was doing regarding separating kids from their families. It was to help bring attention to a very tragic situation. It's hard for me to get into the mindset of those who might break windows, graffiti, loot, or start fires. The actions are so foreign to me. In fact, just jaywalking or littering are not in my nature. But when you try to look at things from a different point of view, you can see the sense of frustration, hopelessness, and despair others may feel. Not everyone has the education, economic, and family support not to take advantage of a tragic situation. What's needed is that sense of empathy and understanding that puts you in someone else's shoes. Law enforcement and community leaders and business owners must work together to protect possible targets of vandalism. You have the right to be out there, a right to be angry, a right to be heard, but at some protests, it's the police who seemingly provoke violent behavior. Sometimes showing up in full riot gear with their military tanks and assault weapons ready for use, but not on white supremacist protesters like on January 6th. Many small businesses, some minority owned, are still trying to survive COVID-19 shutdowns. Some businesses had to board up their storefronts multiple times. It's very important that the reasons we are out in the streets and the message is not lost and our cries for change are not drowned out by business owners and their continued cleanup costs. House Republicans and Trump wanted to blame Black Lives Matter protesters for January 6th and refused to have an independent investigation for the insurrection unless it included Black Lives Matter protests during the summer of 2020. I have been a part of some national and local progressive resistance groups, none of which advocated for the destruction of private or public property. But I have witnessed Black people on television intervening to stop vandals who were white from spraying Black Lives Matter on buildings. I believe they were there not in support for the cause, but to discredit the work. Because of online chatter, many law enforcement agencies have full knowledge that bad actors and far-right agitators infiltrate peaceful protests and are called splinter groups. Splinter groups usually dress in all black and pretend to be part of the protest, only later to break away to cause their mayhem. 
sometimes as white supremacists, or those who sympathize with their beliefs and want to bring shame and hate because of the damage. It has always been my belief that they are never residents of the city they harm. Some authorities believe white supremacist statements made online point to those who would hasten the collapse of the multi-ethnic cultural experiment called United States. Some want to take advantage of any situation or protest so they can control the narrative of what is shown in the media. Others are just desperate for material gain. Why are certain protests being targeted like Black Lives Matter protests? Remember, one of the tenets of fascism is to have a scapegoat, someone else to blame for all the nation's ills. I know that there is a cost when we are losing the backing and support of the community and those who might join our ranks, but because of repeated cleanup costs, they fail to do so. And for those who don't take a hard look at what's going on, public opinion might not be on our side. State legislators and law enforcement should listen to protesters rather than trying to suppress constitutionally protected rights under the guise of maintaining the peace. Yes, I'm looking forward to the time when Republicans stop blaming black people for what white people do. I may be waiting for a very long time. Political and social change come from acts of nonviolence. I know I don't have all the answers, or maybe in your mind any, but what I do know is that change must come or we're lost as a country. While the media may only show you stories of protests with destruction, the true spotlight should be on those standing together for equality peacefully. This has been Ready to Resist. I'm your host, Cliff White. Thanks for listening.